Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's going on? It's Metal Shop here on The Rock right now speaking with the bassist from the almighty Cannibal Corpse. Their 15th studio album, Violence Unimagined, is coming out April 16th on Metal Blade. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely, man. And, and, uh, you know, it's got to be probably the uh least touring you've done in what like 25 years or so like this has got to be crazy for you to just like have so much downtime it it really is different you know um we're so i guess kind of institutionalized to the whole touring kind of lifestyle you know and we had a really um cool routine going that we were very happy with, you know, where we do an album and then basically tour on and off for about two and a half years and then get another record, you know, another album ready and repeat. And, you know, so this obviously is the first time that that's sort of um, been put on hold indefinitely. So Yeah. yeah, it's different for us. We're not sure what's coming next like everyone else, but you know, we will see. Uh, how have you adjusted? I mean, personally, I'm I'm someone, and, and I'm not like a full-time touring musician or anything. I'm not even a musician myself, but I would consider myself, for better or worse, kind of a workaholic. I think a lot of us fall into that category. Um, how did you adjust mm-hmm. when, when, you know, things shut down and now all of a sudden it's going from lightning fast speed, touring all the time to, all right, now you got some time. How did you adjust? Um, well, you know, we've been trying to keep busy. Just, yeah. Well, first of all, we'll just, you know, practice the songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I'm, you uh, may or may not have seen in the press release, but I actually live not that far from where you are. Um, I'm down in the Portland area. I didn't days, know that. The other guys are down in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've been down here for a few years. Cool. Um, but I still had been going back down to Tampa mm-hmm. on a frequent basis, you know, just to work with the guys. So, um being up here now you know i'm not practicing with them yeah you know I'm, i practice the songs on my own and it's you, you kind of get in a routine you know like my daily life i'll be you know like wake up walk the dog and then um go for a run practice for a while maybe my wife and i and the dog might end up going for a hike or something like that um and it just kind of goes on like that and you know with without a tour to get ready for I've kind of shifted focus to, um, you know, just writing more stuff. So yeah. we're get, we're getting more music written while we're home. The other guys are doing the same, mm-hmm. and um, 
figure why not? Because that's what we do when we're not touring. We're usually writing music. So it's just unusual to have a block of, of free time to write at the same time an album's coming yeah. That's just not how it normally works. No, normally it's like album release and a, and the first tour, they happen at exactly the same time pretty much. And this time, obviously, that's not the way it is. Well, now that I know you're in Portland, um, it, it makes sense that you worked with Keith Marrow in, 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 on the side project. Yeah, and you know, actually, that was a little bit... I mean, the reasons we came up here were personal, not professional. Sure. We just my wife and I just wanted to move, and we love the West. But yeah, having you know a friend help us get settled in up here. Keith helped us figure out where you know where to go, and those kind. You know, he just kind of helped us get adjusted up here. Sure. And um, yeah, it was really cool. But but really, the w- coming up here was just something that we did just personal reasons. You know, yeah. we're both nobody's getting any younger and we just always loved going to the West and we figured why not, why not come out here while we're still like young enough to get out and enjoy it because we both enjoy the outdoors very much. So, um, here we are. And it had not been an issue at all uh, until, um, the pandemic happened, you know, and then that did create a little, a little bit of a challenge. Um, like, I'm sure um, you might even have this as one of your questions, but it did change the way I recorded for this particular album. Yeah. And if you like, I'll talk about that. Sure. Um, So, yeah, I I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So last year, um, I went down to Florida in March and we shot the band pictures and I worked with the guys um, learning their songs, teaching them mine, that sort of thing. And that was in preparation for the album, which we were ready, getting ready to record in April. So the idea, of course, was that I was going to go back in April and then stick around throughout May and do my tracks and also, you know, be there while while those guys were recording my songs and so on, um, which is what we normally do. But um, by the time I got back home up here in Oregon after the March trip, it became clear that returning to Florida was not going to be a good option or really an option at all uh, because yeah, the exactly. pandemic was yeah. really starting to um, to become you know a bigger and bigger thing mm-hmm. in the United States at that time. So the the good thing is is you know I have worked on a lot of. Um, other side projects and recorded at home before yeah. and been very pleased with the results, you know, like conquering dystopia. I did those bass tracks in my home studio, yep. a lot of science, same thing. So, um, we figured, Hey, you know, we can do this. It'll still, the, the, the quality won't suffer. And it didn't. And what we ended up doing was reamping and musicians out there will probably know what that means. It's basically you record a direct signal, you know, you perform the songs and record the direct signal and then you can send that to your producer and then they can, put that signal through a, a reamping device, which will put it through a, um, put it through an amp. So it's like I was down, you know, yeah. down in Florida playing through this amp. That's awesome. You know? And, um, we got a really, yeah, yeah. got a, a tone just as good as if I'd been there. So it worked out well in the, and it's not ideal. I mean, I would have liked to have been there with the rest of the band. Like yeah. we normally are for cannibal corpse records, but I did have the experience, um, with home recording and it, mm-hmm. you know, it was helpful in this situation. That's for sure. Well, I mean, from what I've heard, it sounds freaking awesome, man. I had a chance to, I got a review, uh, from, from metal blade. They sent me just to, uh, to stream it. And I was listening to some last night and dude, it's, uh, it's churning, it's brutal, it's cannibal corpse. And it just sounds, it's, 
it's awesome. So I don't think anyone's going to notice uh, anything different about this one as far as that goes. Um, and, and one thing that we probably yeah. will notice, uh, fans of, of death metal and fans of Metal Shop will notice that uh, Hate Eternal, former Morbid Angel member Eric Rutan, now a full-time member of Cannibal Corpse, he toured with you guys, uh, and, and now he's in it. How is that band? How has that been, dude? Uh, how Does he have like a, a new energy that he adds to it, or how's it been working with Eric? Um, it's been fantastic. I mean, Eric is, you know, it's, it's a good choice of words, you know, asking if he has a new energy because yes, he does. Yeah. You know, he's just a very energetic person, very hardworking, um, and just will keep going and going and going like in the studio, you know, he'll work 12 hour days, 14 hour days, whatever. Yeah. I mean, he, he will work as hard as anybody I, I've ever met. And, um, he's still in hate eternal, by the way, we, yeah. that's, that's going to be an ongoing thing. It's Hell just, yeah. he's making cannibal a priority, but you know, being the hard worker that he is when he's got downtime from, from cannibal, he'll be working on hate eternal and also probably continuing to record other artists in his studio, in his studio. It's awesome. Um, and, and so in, in cannibal corpse, he wound up immediately wearing a number of hats you know yeah. like he's the producer the engineer for violence unimagined i mean producer and engineer plus he wrote three full songs lyrics and the music and then he's lead guitar player for a number of the songs and played rhythm guitar on the songs he wrote plus a bunch of mine so that's that's a lot of work yeah that's he certainly um just by virtue of that, he's like the MVP of Violence Unimagined. Hands yeah. down, you know, he really, really kicked ass on this one and put in a huge effort. So, um, yeah, he brings he brings a, a tremendous skill set to the band, and the rest of us are, you know, just really happy to have him on board. That's awesome, man. So uh, I'm stoked uh, th- to see you guys again live. Hopefully, when when you know shows return and whatnot. And I think, luckily, you know, with with uh, advancement of science, it looks like we're right around the bend. And uh, you know, fingers crossed and whatnot. But um, I was curious about. Th- I mean, this yeah. is your 15th studio album, so you guys are OGs in the death American death metal scene. Violence unimagined. What keeps you motivated to keep churning out badass? death metal what what keeps you motivated man well i mean we you know first of all it is you know what we do for a living of yeah, course of you course know, so yeah. we just want to keep i mean to be able to play your favorite kind of music for a living of course you want to keep doing it <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it's just it's so much fun but um beyond that i mean we're we're not a band that feels like that we're any sort of like a legacy band. I mean, we are striving to make our best albums right now. Yeah. And the way we look at it is as we keep going, we have to have it in our mind that the best Cannibal Corpse record ever hasn't been written yet. You know, like, like we have, whether or not we're going to be able to uh, accomplish that and create, you know, the best thing that we've ever done you know, 15, 16, 17 albums into our career or whatever that that's really up to the fans to decide, mm-hmm. but that's what we're going to try to do, you know? So, um, we're not done, you know, we all feel highly motivated. And like I mentioned in the previous answer too, just having Eric on board, um, is certainly an energizing presence and we were already motivated and that's even further motivation because now it's sort of a new chapter of the band. 
Nice, dude. Well, like you said, being being able to play your favorite style, style of music and, and just being so uh, successful, but also it just seems like, um, I mean, it's not like good luck or any, it's not a good luck or anything because it's just the product of hard work and, and so many years into it. But man, that that's all. I like the way you look at it. The best, more, the best, the best Cannibal Corpse uh, album has yet to be written. I like that. Yeah, that's, I think that's the way, you know, that's the way we look at it. And that's the way a lot of bands do. Like, um, you know, we, we look up to bands that have this, uh, a consistency and that are always trying to make killer records. You know, we look at like Slayer, Iron Maiden Mm -hmm. and look at Judas Priest, for example, what a legendary album painkiller wound up being. And that was, I mean, they were 20 years into their career by that point. Right. So, um, there's no reason that your best stuff has to be the first few albums. You know, it should be whatever you're doing now. You should be trying to make your best stuff. You know, no reason to be, uh, you know, a nostalgia act when you guys are getting better and better and better. And, and I mean, adding Eric Rutan to that, that's leveling up. I mean, it feels like, yeah, we're, Dude. Yeah, we're excited about the future for sure. So um, there's a lot, lot left to come. So anybody who's into our band, you know, stay tuned. There's more coming over the years. So uh, you guys are hugely influential in the in the underground death metal scene and just the metal scene in the world. Uh, being like an OG in the death metal uh, American death metal scene, I was curious, what is the difference to you between be, a band being heavily influenced? by an original originator of the scene or just straight ripping off is there a difference to to you in in you know the when you hear someone you're like oh that's reminiscent or do you hear someone you're like okay that's kind of a blatant ripoff um well i think some of the bands where they sound an awful lot like something from back then it's intentional and they're not trying to hide it yeah like um like the band the band gruesome they do an awesome job of doing like old school like death the band death yeah you know and i don't think that they're trying to hide that that's what they're doing no (laughs) yeah like even the imagery it's it's deliberate yeah yeah exactly so um it would be different i guess if it were um a band coming out and and taking that much of an inspiration from another band and then sort of trying to pass it off as being like a completely original idea. And like I said, I don't think that that's what they're doing in that case. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I I think it's, I mean, I think it's fine to be inspired because really ultimately everybody's inspired by the stuff they listen to. Um, you want to make things your own, but I mean, I've, I've thought about this sometimes. I'm like, okay, electric guitars, Ampeg amps, Marshall stacks, that stuff's existed since the 60s. Yep. But there were no death metal bands in the 60s because even though the technology existed, for you know, the, the instruments were there. So if somebody just had the brilliant idea to, like, play something that sounded like deicide in 1967, I guess they could have done it. But it needed to build to that point, Yeah, what I'm saying. Yep. And everybody takes what came before them and adds a little bit more. And I, I call it the staircase of metal, but it's really like that for any kind of music. You know, everybody's building a little bit and adding their own new things to the music that they love and creating something unique from their influences. But um, I think, yeah, like something, it, it takes those steps Mm-hmm. It's just, I guess the real innovators are the ones who make the biggest step on their own. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, so 
but but yeah we're all to some to one degree or another i think everybody's building off of the music that they like you know and making it their own somehow with their own style i like that the staircase of metal man that that's cool and and it's cool because <laughs> you you are someone that i mean if you're if you follow uh if you follow alex and in his work i mean blotted science and 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 conquering dystopia like you we know you from cannibal corpse and that's just like brutal awesome unfiltered death metal but if you want you know a little bit more weird kind of you know left brain stuff maybe we'll check out some blotted science so uh, you obviously uh, do not have many boundaries. It seems like. No, I mean I love music in general. I love all a whole bunch of different kinds of metal and different kinds of music, and I listen to a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, I, I like to keep an open mind when it comes to music. And one thing about it too is some some of the stuff you listen to, the the things that you hear can give you ideas that might crop up in some other musical project you're doing. And they, the way it inspires you is indirect, but it still inspired you. You know, like for example, if you, um, like a lot of, a lot of the best bass instructional books kind of are about, you know, finger funk or jazz fusion kind of playing and that kind of stuff, learning that stuff can teach you things that rhythmically can help you create some very interesting metal. And it might not be in an obvious way that it, that influence, but it can still work its way in there. And, you know, certainly that kind of stuff you could maybe hear a little bit more in blotted science, for example, like you were saying, um, although to, um, you know, full disclosure, most of the blotted science is written by Ron Jarzombek. Yeah. He actually wrote a lot of the bass parts for me as well, but I did help with writing some of that. And, um, I'll tell you, that was a learning experience in itself, just playing with Ron. But, that. Um, that's a mind. Anyway, yeah, I, I keep an open mind, and um, I think I think it's good. You know, like I don't think there's very many musicians, really, especially ones that have been doing it for quite a while, that only listen to the genre that they play. I don't think I think that's an exception, not the rule. Really, most musicians are probably keep a pretty open mind and listen to a lot of stuff. Well, that leads me to the question, Alex, and, and of course, Alex from Cannibal Corpse. So you think Cannibal Corpse, you're like, oh, man, this is the most brutal band of all time, blah, 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 blah. What is the least metal album that you personally own in your collection? Least metal. Oh, boy, it's hard to say. I mean, cause <laughs> I have so many that aren't metal, but um, something that I own that's not very metal that I listen to a lot would maybe be like, I, I love listening to classical guitar, and there's yeah. a Christopher Parkening album. He's just a really awesome classical guitar player, and I listen to that pretty often, just him playing a lot of the, the classic you know, pieces for uh, classical guitar. Okay. I, I love that kind of stuff. I like listening to to that on the instruments yeah um when you're hearing just classical guitar all by itself you really get to hear the movement of the notes that's the most important thing you know is the the melody and the harmony that's taking place so um i like that i like that kind of music a lot just listening to solo acoustic guitar classical guitar in particular Nice, nice. Right on. Well, uh, speaking of, you know, and and especially during this time when uh, the world can be kind of overwhelming at times, like me personally, you know, sometimes I need to shut out the news or, you know, not go on social media. If you're having a negative day or you just need kind of to refresh, what's an album that you can reach to that can just bring you back to a positive or, you know, it doesn't have to be positive, but just a good headspace. 
Uh, again, it's it's hard to say because it's going to be different every time. Yeah. There's so many albums that I love. Lately, for some reason, that EP, um, ACDC's 74 Jailbreak EP, I've just been listening to that yeah. one a ton. Okay. I, I, really, I really love that album, that song, and the title track in particular, but the whole album's great. Um, yeah, so... My current my current one of choice is seventy four jailbreak and I work out to that one sometimes too. Okay, right on, man. Well, the so the picture that me and Ian took with you, you're wearing a Whiplash T-shirt. Uh, and so my question yeah. about, to you is: the last interview we had with you, we asked you what your first album was growing up. Now that we saw you have uh, affinity for badass T-shirts, what was your first metal or rock band T-shirt you ever bought? Wow. This is going to be hard, actually. <laughs> um, this is pretty hard. It might have been like maybe Rat. Nice. Or something. I remember. Rat and Roll. I saw them in 1984. Okay. They they played. It was them and Billy Squire. I think that might have been one of the first like metal shows I saw. I yeah. had the other two concerts I saw before that were Yes, and I bought a shirt from that. But that Yes isn't metal. They're prog rock. And yeah. then Ditto for Rush. Rush is kind of hard they had some hard rock in their 70s stuff but i saw rush on the grace under pressure tour okay and then i think the third big arena show i ever saw was rat opening for billy squire and i got a rat jersey <laughs> i remember that a rat jersey um, that's awesome so that might be rat yeah yeah r-a-t-t yeah um so um yeah because back then everybody bought the baseball jerseys at yep. least where i lived everybody liked the, the you know the three-quarter shirts yep and you'll notice that can- cannibal we're all from that age group so we we often have three-quarter jerseys in our merch line nice and i think it just goes back to our 80s upbringing we our idea of a concert shirt a lot of it was the jersey everybody bought the jerseys yep. back then the black t-shirts people bought too but the jerseys were super popular in the 80s I, I think the last time I asked someone that question, they said Kicks. Their first band T-shirt was Kicks, oh, and it wow. made me laugh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell George because George is from Baltimore, and that's oh. where, that's where Kicks is from. Okay. Yeah, he I don't think he was a fan by any <laughs> means, but he'll 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 get a laugh out of that that somebody had a Kicks shirt as their first metal sh- concert shirt ever. Uh, so obviously, you know, you're, we, we, we've talked, uh, here about, you know, your, your wide musical, uh, taste and knowledge and stuff. And, and we all have this question of like, what's the, the Mount Rushmore of, of so-and-so Mount Rushmore of wrestling. I, I like wrestling. So Mount Rushmore, uh, Mount Rushmore of, of basketball or, or of, uh, of, of metal. What is your personal Mount Rushmore? So four favorite bassists of all time, your Mount Rushmore of bassists. Wow. Well, I'll just, you know what? I'm going to pull the first four off the top of my head that probably are some of the most influential for me yeah. personally. Um, and, but there's so many more, and I could probably take a long time to do this answer. But for sure, Cliff Burton, yep, um, Steve Harris, um, Steve DiGiorgio, and then maybe like Getty Lee. Yeah. You know, but there, I mean, I, I could go back and forth. There's all these other great bass players. I love to Roger Patterson who played on the first atheist record. Um, oh yeah. You know, there's, there's so many great ones. Um, you know, so, and then jazz fusion players that I really enjoy, like Jonas Helborg, Michael Manring, Victor Wooten. There's, there's just tons yeah. of amazing bass players, but yeah, those first four I listed could be because they're, that's sort of a, um, 
with the exception of Get- Getty Lee is hard rock too, like I said, from the seventies, but, um, for sure. DiGiorgio, you know, Steve Harris, Cliff Burton. Yeah. Getty Lee. Let's have those four for me. Anyhow. Nice, man. Well, I'm sure that you're on uh, many of people's Mount Rushmore of bassists yourself. Uh, uh, so, uh, oh. So, uh, yeah, um, I was uh, curious, and, and this is uh, going to be our last question uh, that we like to ask um, to a lot of people. So if you could pick a scar on your body, Alex, and tell us a story of how you got the scar. Scar. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm trying to think. I got, um, I have a few, but um, let me think. Which one? All of them, pretty much most of the stuff that I'm thinking of right now happened when um, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a few years. Oh, snap. Um, and, ju- and judo. Um, I did that between, say, 1999 and 2004, and... Um, I had so much fun doing it, but I was getting hurt all the time. Yeah. And I, I tore my meniscus. And so I had to have knee surgery. So I have a little scar on my left knee Mm -hmm. from doing that. And then I also broke my nose getting kneed. Oh no. I was trying to do a takedown. Yeah. Broke my nose and also had a big split and needed to get stitches on my forehead from that one. So, um, Either one of those, I guess. Either the forehead. The, 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 I mean, it would be hard to see because I have so many wrinkles anyhow. Yeah. The scar on my <laughs> forehead just blends it with all the other wrinkles that you get when you're in your 50s. But, um, yeah, there's a scar up there, and then there's one on my knee, and they're both from doing um, combat sports. Nice, dude. All right. Actually, you know, I, I, I tease that this was the last question, but I have one more for you. Now, this is uh, if you're meeting someone new just at a grocery store or obviously not during the pandemic, we're not really meeting many people. But if you were to meet someone new and they were to ask, like, so what kind of music do you play? How do you describe what Cannibal Corpse is to someone totally casual, has no idea what death metal is? Um, I'll tell them it's metal. Okay. And I'll say that we sing about horror movie stuff. Okay. And All if right. they're like, oh, what kind of metal? I'm like, well, you know, Metallica and Slayer, they usually at least know about Metallica. Sure. And I'll say, well, it's like that, but maybe a little more extreme. And then it usually, you know, that plus the horror movie thing to kind of explain the name. Because when you tell somebody who knows <laughs> zero about metal that the name of your band is Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. You know, it'll raise an eyebrow and they kind of want to, they want to know what, what that's all about. So I'll be like, yeah, we have horror movie kind of lyrics and the music is kind of like Metallica or Slayer, but maybe a little faster. I like and it, they man. They kind of get it. I think that's, a, yeah, I don't want to try and get too deep with them and, you know, explain, well, there's all these different subgenres yeah, exactly. called death metal that, you know, just try and keep it simple. So back in 1985, no, I'm just kidding. So you just like break it down yeah, to yeah. him, like eh. <laughs> uh, right on, man. So do you have yeah, any? F- yeah. uh, so again, the new album "Violence Unimagined" available from Cannibal Corpse coming out on April 16th. You can pre-order it now from Metal Blade Records. Uh, Alex, any final words for the Northwest and and uh, actually your hometown of Portland and also Seattle? Any any final words for the Northwest? Just thanks to everybody for the support, and I hope you enjoy the new album, Violence Unimagined. And oh, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see you all on tour again sooner than later. So, until then, stay safe, everybody. Right on. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Hey, thank you so much for having this me. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass.